good to see your faces. It's good to be back at church. Um, I know we're a little lower numbers here, but this is a good turnout for a pandemic. huh? Pretty good for a pandemic. Uh, just a little bit of news update. Uh, we did move during this time, uh, which was a good time because, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're about half the distance. You know, we're about two and a half hours away. We're in Alliance, Ohio. We bought a place on a few acres. So we sold our little country place down in Caddis, Ohio, and Alliance. So half the distance here, which I'm glad. But we still need to be close to where Alina goes to school. She has over a little over a year left uh, going to North Canton. But uh, we spent a little bit of time yesterday planting the garden. I just feel the time's getting pretty short here. Uh, we need to really take serious the idea of country living and uh, getting ready for the Lord's return. I'm not a Seventh-day Survivalist. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, but uh, we just do our part. Try to follow God's counsel the best we can. Leave it in his hands. Uh, Laura was going to get married July 5, but it's a good thing they changed it to August 30 because they extended the closing of the border till July. So we would have had a wedding in Akron without a groom. So uh, that usually is not a good thing. So <laughs> we didn't plan that as if to emphasize. Uh, so uh, say, are you ready for the next one? <laughs> so, um, so July 3rd or August, August 30, I'm sorry. I will be leaving uh, this probably this Wednesday for our workout west and be gone till you know, sometime later in August. I look forward to getting back, and I know you'll have a wonderful time. And as you, you know, we just kind of gather speed again, you know, and pick up. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot's happened. And uh, before I get into that, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, taking care of us during this time. We are thankful that you're much bigger than the social unrest and the pandemic and the stock market and all these things that we have a special day to prepare for, a day that every person who's gone before us doing their part in this great, great movement had been waiting for this very day. And, uh, Father, we can sense that uh, last, day men's, last day events are in motion. And uh, we do pray for that most blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray all this in his precious name. Amen. 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 Well, yes, a lot's happened in three months. Um, when it comes to COVID-19, there's such a variation of opinions on it. Um, some feel like the numbers are way lower than the 2 million infected in this country or the 115,000 that are died, and some believe the numbers are higher. So the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, but it, no doubt, because it's noon, we didn't know what it was, it has greatly affected everything in our country, uh, our economy, uh, everything. Um, but if the numbers are somewhat accurate, uh, COVID-19 in just three months is the sixth leading cause of death. We don't know that yet, but at 115,000 people dying and the pneumonia and the flu before is like 50, 60,000, that's already doubled that in just three months. Um, cancer, heart disease, uh, Heart disease is about 600,000 a year. Uh, cancer is a little less than that. Uh, or no, cancer is about 600,000, and heart disease is about 650,000. So it's possible that the, the virus could be the third leading cause of death if things kind of stay about the same. But we don't know that, do we? We just don't know. Um, but another thing that's uh, greatly affected our society in the last uh, three months is related to COVID-19, and that's the stock market. The global stock market has dropped 25%. That's huge. That's like the time of the Depression kind of numbers. We actually do have uh, closer to 19% unemployment in this country. We actually have 30,000, uh, 30 million uh, people unemployed in this country, and some economists believe that 40% of those jobs won't come back. That's huge. That's huge. That, that affects our economy greatly, not just now, but down the road. And so when you start pulling all these things together, I mean, it could start 
you know, turn into a little bit of a tidal wave here, uh, where we haven't seen anything yet. Because what makes things worse, of course, is how people react to these things. And if things get worse, certain people are going to be blamed for it. And we know in the end of time, God's people will be blamed for all these things. Um, and then there's the social unrest, the, the demonstrations, the protests. Um, a man named George, George Floyd uh, was, uh, that should have never happened. You know, I, it, it, to me, it doesn't matter what he had done in the past. Uh, here's a man who apparently is trying to pull his life back together. And no matter what he had done, nobody should have ever put a knee on his neck and taken his life. Um, you know, people are talking a lot about racism now, and one reason we can talk about it now a little bit more is because something's not happening right now. What is that? Sports. Sports has become a god in this country. And if there was no COVID-19, and I wish there was no COVID-19, but one of the blessings of COVID-19 is the fact there is no baseball right now. There's no NBA Finals. There was no March Madness. Because if these things were happening, this racism, everybody would just be watching sports. But now that these things are basically shut down, I think people have a little bit more time to think about and are hearing a lot more about it on the news, which is actually a good thing. The other thing COVID-19 has brought about is, you know, more people have gardens now. And people need more gardens. You know, during the time of World War II, uh, President Roosevelt told people to plant a garden, mostly because of the hard ability to transport food. Not because farmers couldn't grow food, but how do you get it to the various markets so people can buy it? And so he had a lot more gardens. You know, I, I just hope that this is a time when people can look at what's inside of us. You know, the, the things, the, these three things, the pandemic, the stock market, uh, the racism, the unrest, uh, they're problems in our world, right? Problems in our world. You know, I did a little bit of uh, look at the Internet. Even this morning, I was, you know, we had a civil war between 1861 and 19, or 1864. And even after the civil war was over and under a slavery, a black man couldn't vote till 1870. And women couldn't vote till when? 1920. But you know, the, the women's suffrage movement uh, didn't like women of color. So women of color in this country couldn't vote till 19 what? 65. You, you realize that? I was born in 1959. So when people say there's no racism in the country, there is. There's racism. Some of you that have an accent have experiences. Some of you have different color skin or different ethnicity have experiences. It is real. And the reason it's real is for one reason. What is it? Sin. Do you realize that in, in all these other worlds, and there are other worlds, let me read you a verse here, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the, the worlds, plural. God didn't make one world. He made a lot of different worlds, and he just didn't create worlds that had cold surfaces like Mars or lava-type surfaces like Mercury. He created worlds where there's intelligent beings. It's just that we're the only world where there's sin. We're the only world where a man's kneels down on another man's neck. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the universe. You know, we have a, a probe called the Deep Space Number 1. It's a NASA satellite. It goes at 10,000 miles per hour, and it would take 81,000 years for it to get to the closest star to our star. And even if there was a planet there, you'd have to go 81,000 years to find the next planet, if there even is one there. And what will you won't, you won't find what? You won't find sin. And you won't find COVID-19, whether it's natural or made in a laboratory, it won't exist there. You won't have police officers, you won't have, there's a lot, you wouldn't have wars, you wouldn't have any of this stuff. And we only have all these things because of sin. Now let me ask you a question, are things going to get better or worse? 
Now, the Bible does say that if we turn to 2 Timothy. And I don't want to, this isn't a morbid. It's starting off a little morbid. I know that. But it's going to get better. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days, that'd be our time, right? Perilous times shall come. And he gives a whole list of things. Men shall be lovers of their own selves and stuff like that. And then you get to verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall do what? Wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I mean, if there was ever a time of deception, wow, this is our day. And where everybody thinks they're right, but there's such a deception. And the reason there's such a deception is because people aren't reading what? They're really not reading their Bibles, right? Because if you read your Bible, you wouldn't be what? Not if you read it correctly and you understood the principles of interpretation and read it just, just as it reads, you know, you wouldn't have that. But one of the things that I, I think can confirm that things will get worse and worse if we turn to Revelation chapter 7, and I'll, I'll get off this theme, I'm here in a little bit, this morbid theme. But Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 you see, before we read this, I, I want us to understand that there's something, and this will be the main of our, our topic, is actually that thoughts and feelings have substance. They're real. Uh, they're not ethereal. It's actually a protein created in your mind. Okay? It's very real. And we're at the end of 6,000 years of sin. Now, I used to live down in New Orleans, and New Orleans is where all the water from the Mississippi came down to the Gulf of Mexico, and Pollution would come out of the Ohio River and the Missouri River, and it all end up where? New Orleans. And that's like being at the end of 6,000 years of sin. You couldn't drink the water in New Orleans because everybody's pollution above you up north came down to you. And everything anyone's ever done, negative, right, has been passed down to us. We are the weakest of the weak. And there's something very true about hereditary tendency. And there's something very, very real about the environment that you grew up in. Do you know that most of your prejudices are, are formed by the age of four? That you already have a certain feel towards different people by age four? And you don't even begin to think about thinking until seven. No four-year-old is thinking, now why did I think that? No, four-year-olds just think. Four-year-olds simply absorb, right? Whatever they watch, whatever they hear... Is kind of what they become, right? Only till you're age 70 you start thinking about thinking. Because I can think right now about, why do I think this way, right? Four-year-old doesn't do that. But there's real substance in all the sin that's passed down. That mean the genealogy of Jesus would be pointless unless there were hereditary traits passed down, right? That he, he took on our hereditary after 4,000 years of sin. And yet... He never sinned because he was born of the Spirit. And he always walked in the Spirit. But that's not an advantage of a, over us because we can be born of what? The Spirit. And it's the same Holy Spirit, same power, right? So, but you know, in our little world is the only place in the whole universe where bad things happen. And as I said, things will get worse. Notice this in Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till, excuse me, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel. So what is God doing right now? He's holding back the four winds. So let's just say when we could take racism on a scale of 1 to 10. If you were a 1, that means you would look at everybody in this world how? Equally. Right? There'd be no difference. Now, the only possibility of living that kind of life is by God, by being Christ-like. Now, 
Even a person who was born again today, today, if you are born again today, born of the Spirit, you now have the possibility of being a one. But you're not a one yet. Because the work of sanctification, of changing all those prejudices, all those ideas you've had before you came to Christ, they're still there. But now you have the possibility of God, he's going to now re-educate your way of thinking through this. And you'll begin to start seeing people different and treating people different. That's the beginning of that. But it can't happen unless you're what? You're born again, born of the Spirit, revived, a revival of the soul, coming out of spiritual death. Otherwise, it can't happen. You're just a product of whatever you've inherited and what you grew up with and the decisions you make, which are probably no different than the ones you grew up with. That's where most human beings are. But we'll talk more about that because... We have freedom of choice. And there is a gospel. Okay? But what begins... So, getting back to the 1 to 10. A 1 is you treat people just like Jesus does. That's a 1. But tragically, we have some 10s in the world. Right? We have people who would kill someone just because they're different. There's that kind of hatred. And most of the world is between 1 and 10. Is that right? Somewhere between 1 and 10. And, uh, and in the end, the whole world wanders after the beast and they either are actively persecuting those who keep the commandments of God and faith of Jesus or they remain what? Silent. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about mental health, about being silent. Because being silent and saying nothing is not the same as being proactively taking a stand for truth. And it's not the same as doing wrong, just being neutral. Does God want us to be neutral? But all three of those positions will affect your mind differently. It will affect your decisions So, in this world of 8 billion people, I know this is subjective, how many know Jesus? I mean, we don't know, but you know what Sister White said? In the church, not 1 in 20, and some statement, not 1 in 100. Know how to walk with Jesus. So when you say, in the world as a whole, there's a lot of people who don't even acknowledge Jesus. And even those who believe he existed and died, how many are following him? That's different than believing in him. A disciple means a follower of Christ. If it's one in a hundred, I mean the way prophecy describes it, the whole world wonders after the beast. That might be a pretty positive number, one in a hundred. So if just one in a hundred and everyone's between one and ten somewhere, and the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the earth, what begins to happen? Things get what? They're going to get worse. And now 19% unemployment when people go unemployed long enough, whose problem is it? It's somebody else's. You see what the devil's doing? I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know if this is the beginning of. Right? Things are really happening. If it's not, God's trying to wake us up. Trying to wake us up because the way God describes this is the seven churches called what? Laodicea. Doesn't mean we don't pray, we just don't pray enough. Doesn't mean we don't study, we don't study enough. Doesn't mean we don't witness at all, we don't witness enough. We're not ready. And God in His mercy may allow things to happen in the world to wake us up and say, you know, there's something wrong in here. And if the virus is manufactured, that's just absolute murder. And racism is real. People aren't treated the same. It's not equal. 
And the stock market, I mean lovers of money, my goodness. Money's a god in this world. And we've got to make sure we're not caught up in these things. We've got one goal. What's that goal? It's got to be heaven. And taken as how many? As many as people as you can with you. But with all the problems in our world, what's the one solution to all these problems? It's Jesus. You can't fix these problems outside of God. And yet God has principles to fix the economy. God has principles to build our immune system. It doesn't matter if there's COVID-19 or COVID-20 or 21. It won't matter. If we're following God's principles, then these things can't touch us. That doesn't mean we won't sneeze or get sick. He may even allow us to lay us to rest because of what's about ready to happen in the world. But ultimately, we're victorious in these things. Isn't that right? Things are not going to get better. But we have this idea because we have gadgets and we have technology, and that means things are better. But the Bible doesn't say the world's going to get worse because we're still riding on horseback. The world getting worse has nothing to do with technology. The world getting worse has nothing to do with transportation. The world getting worse as men become lovers of themselves like they've never had before. Disobedient to parents. Going after the same flesh. All these different things are part of our world that has increased in these things. Is that right? It's what's happening in a man's heart. It's our hearts that are getting worse. And when the Holy Spirit's withdrawn, wow, a time of trouble, there's what? There's never been. You can't even begin to describe it. But all these things happen because of sin. And where does sin start? Right here with a thought. Every action is preceded by a thought. So, the title of this sermon are, Are Things Incurable? Is all the bad things in our world irreversible? Incurable? You can answer yes and no. It's absolutely irreversible if God's not part of the solution. Man can't fix it. But no, it's not irreversible with God. With God, all things are possible. That means that if every sinful thing in our world that causes harm begins with a thought and it's not incurable, then that means that my what can change? My thoughts can change. That means I have to start thinking different. If I'm going to be light of the world, salt of the earth type of person, right? It all gets back to my what? all gets back to my thoughts. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations. It's, it's after the, the book of Jeremiah. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. This is a beautiful mental health <laughs> verse. Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new, how often? Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Every morning. Do you realize every morning when you wake up, you have new baby nerve cells? You have new cells. Your body's been repairing itself through the night. You have an opportunity to take those new nerve cells and bathe it. Either in the loveliness of Jesus or in the negativity of the world. That's your choice. But how you choose 
will determine what happens to these cells. Now, every one of these cells, or these cells, um, with a thought, turns into a genetic expression. And a genetic expression is this. That every time you have a thought, you create a protein. Every thought has a chemical reaction. And if you keep thinking a certain way, you just keep creating those same kind of proteins that way. And those proteins just don't go away. They become your what? Your memories. And 90 to 99% of all your decisions that you make in life is based on your what? Your memories. You see person A, and I have a thousand memories of person A. Therefore, when person A comes my way, I already have a logical, predictable reaction to person A. Why? Because something's very real in my brain. These are real proteins. They do exist. As a man thinketh, he actually is this. Physiologically, he is this. All God has to do is look at those proteins. He just has to look at those brain cells, and he can tell you exactly. He already knows this, but he could show the rest of the universe. If he could un unravel all this and show people, he could show our very thoughts to someone else. Because they're real. They're physical. So, the principle is this. What you think about most will grow. I met a friend the other day. He came and helped us. The, the, the house we bought in Alliance is categorizes as a fixer-upper, okay? And, uh, and boy, it needs some fixing. And he came and helped me put in this bathroom sink, vanity. But he retired at age 62 a few months ago. He made a statement to me that I'll never forget. He says, I've had a lot more time to study. And he says, I love Jesus more than I did before. What changed? What you spend time with what you think about will grow, and it's real. It's a real protein. It's a real memory. He has spent more time with Jesus, and now Jesus occupies more of his memories, and he loves Jesus more. That's just science. And I'm glad, in one sense, for COVID-19, because people watch sports after sports after sports, and what do they love? Sports. Racism, all protests could be going all around them and not care a hoot about it, because they got to watch the next game. That's more important to them than equality. That's just a fact with millions of Americans. But it's because what you think about is what grows. I want you to turn to another verse here. Psalm 46.10. This is another kind of principle. Now as you're looking at Psalm 46.10, do you remember Ephesus, the first church of the seven churches, Ephesus in chapter 2 of Revelation? And he gives all these accommodations, compliments to lay a, to uh, Ephesus. And he says, you work hard, you know, you do all these right things, but the one problem I have is what? You're losing your first love. Isn't that interesting? The, the church of Ephesus, the early church, you would not have probably found a more active church. But John's writing Revelation around 96 A.D., and by 96 A.D., 
Jesus could say to him, the church doesn't love me as much as it did before. Now, I want you to think about how much the disciples loved Jesus after they saw him resurrected. After he spent 40 days with them. As they saw him as sin, how much did they love him? Very much. much. Probably the most they'd ever have it. And from that moment on, they went anywhere for him. Anywhere because of love. But over time, if you don't keep that fire, that flame burning, you can still be active, but not love Jesus as much as you did before. Now, in the end of time, when your job's threatened and your family's threatened, what is the greatest motivating factor to stand for truth. It's going to be love. A man could be a coward in almost any situation, but when his loved ones are threatened, he's going to be in there for the fight. Love. Now to make sure that you and I take a stand for God's holy day and to take a stand for truth, I can tell you right now, we need to love Jesus more than we did yesterday. It's just a fact. In fact, I think Christ hasn't yet come, not because we don't own enough printing presses or radio stations. Even we who hold the oracles and have the truth don't love Jesus enough. That's got to be the reason wouldn't be enough people to take a stand and say, no, I'm standing. I don't, I don't care if I can't buy and sell. I'm still going to take a stand because of, because of Jesus. I love him more than food. I love him more than my freedom. I love him more than anything else. And the only way to get to that is to create more proteins <laughs> in your brain. More thoughts about Jesus. More and more thoughts about Jesus. So you had Psalm 46.10. Did I give you enough time as I kind of rambled on there? Psalm 46.10. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Realize you're the creature and he is the creator. Realize that without him we are nothing, but with him we can do all things. Just be still and know that he's God. Know that he's the source of your strength. He's the problem solver. He's the source of strength. He's everything for you. And as you just don't just realize it, but you're just still and you contemplate that. Not for a second. For minutes, for worship. Because ultimately, isn't worshiping Him, worshiping Him as He is? I can worship the name of God, but if I worship Him knowing that He is my strength, that's a different kind of worship. And this is what happens in the brain. When you contemplate something deeper, the various parts of the brain start working more harmoniously together. The more these thoughts become real and embedded in your memories, it becomes more who you are. So, if a person just does the church thing and doesn't have a devotional during the week, At least they've done something. But it's still not being still every day and know that he's God, not me. He's God. And 
in the midst of the COVID-19? Do you realize that we, when we spend time contemplating and deep contemplation, don't just read fast and go on with your day. Go on, go on with your day. Contemplate. Take it with you. Own it. Eat it up. That you actually increase, increase your immunity. Part of health care is contemplating the goodness of God. It isn't just drinking enough water and eating right and getting enough sleep. Trust in God is one of the eight laws of health, perhaps the most important. That when you spend and contemplate the goodness of God, the altogether beautiful life of Christ, you strengthen your immune system. I want to turn to another verse. This is in the book of James, James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 26. You know, it's one thing to have a thought. It's another thing to follow that thought up with an action. And this is why the book of James, James was inspired to write this. He says, faith without works is dead. You see, a, first, a person could have faith, could have thoughts. But if those thoughts are not followed up with substance, a real change of life, it will not do for you what it will do for you to be a follower of Christ. It's the difference. In Hebrews 11.1 1, it says, Faith, right faith, a faith that works is what? is the substance. Isn't that interesting? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidences of things not seen. An active faith actually creates substance up here. It becomes you, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, and if he carries it out, he's that much better, isn't he? I want us to look at an example of this in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, beginning with verse 20. And you'll remember the woman who had the issue of blood. Chapter 9 of Matthew, verses 20 through 22. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Twelve years. She'd hoped. She had more hope. At the beginning of those 12 years, she went to this doctor and that doctor, but they kept saying, we can't help you. You can pay for this and pay for that, but it didn't work. And over the course of 12 years, what happened to her hope? Seemed hopeless, didn't it? And then someone said the name Jesus. There was a day when she first heard his name. And then associated with his name is that he could heal. He made a blind man see. He made a lame man walk. She'd hear more reports. He healed all who were sick. And now she had faith and hope, but faith without works means she's still diseased. Her faith had to be exercised to get healed. And in her thinking, imagine the hope that was just boiling in her now. She went from hearing reports of Jesus, she got to the point because her thoughts were such that 
she believed that he could heal her, that she thought if, even if she just what? Touched the hem of his garment, she'd be healed. Wow. And that faith followed through with works, healed this woman. Right thoughts and choices make something out of nothing. If a person doesn't have right thoughts and doesn't make a choice to do what's right, doesn't have Jesus, what do they have? They absolutely have nothing. They might have an opportunity. There's never without hope. Not even for the most uncompromising. But the combination of right thinking that produces real proteins and making the choice to do something with those right thoughts makes something out of nothing, makes something happen that could not have happened in any other way. Right thoughts represent more than just information. Now, tragically, for some, that's all they want. They just want right information and hold the truth in unrighteousness. But that's not what gets us to heaven. It's right thoughts combined with faith and exercising your power of choice to do all that God has asked you to do. That's when right thoughts represent more than just information. Right thoughts make for new possibilities. Those right thoughts exercise is what will redesign your memories from which you will make better decisions in life. Because from those memories, you make 90 to 99% of your decisions. So what has to happen to us is very real. And getting ready for the second coming of Christ. And we live in a world that's getting what? Darker and darker, and yet God's people need to get brighter and brighter. And how do we start that? With our thoughts, followed by actions. The word repentance means change one's mind. Isn't that interesting? Repentance doesn't mean ask God for forgiveness and keep the same thoughts. Repentance itself means a change of thought, a change of mind, a different way of thinking. You come to Christ with all your sins, asking Him to forgive you for every one of those sins, and that when you walk away, you have a new mind, a new way of thinking, that you don't want to go back and think the same way again that caused you to sin in the first place. It comes from the Greek word metanoia, which simply means change of mind, the word repentance. Now, in our world, there's basically two schools of thought. The first one, which is the wrong one, but I'll share this with you, they call neuroreductionism, which means that they are evolutionists, they're materialistic in the sense that all behaviors explain in a materialistic way, that you, you do what you do because you were simply made that way and you will always what? You're always going to be that way. But the Bible says that we have the power of what? You have the power of choice. If you don't exercise that power of choice and you just kind of give in to your past, yeah, you'll be the same person. But because of the power of choice, new possibilities are there. And this gets us to our scripture reading, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. 
the spirit of fear. We don't have to live a timid life, living in an unfallen world like we can't change. We can live a virtuous life. We don't have the spirit of fear anymore, a spirit of failure. Rather, we can have the spirit of power, that power. The idea of having a mind, a spirit of thinking victoriously. You know, when it says in Revelation, they go from, um, how does it say it? They shine brighter and brighter. Let me see that. Revelation chapter 12. I believe it's in chapter 12. Hopefully I can find that real quick. Uh, I don't think I'm going to find it real quick. But anyway. Oh, it's one of the horsemen. Okay, forget it. The first horseman. That'd be Revelation 6. Yeah, Revelation 6. Notice what it says here. And I saw in verse 2, And behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. When you're riding on that horse of purity, and Jesus is the rider, and you are following him, you have a mindset that you're going to go from conquering and to conquer. That's different than the spirit of fear that I'm going to just keep doing the same old thing. I've tried to quit smoking a thousand times or some idea like that. No, the spirit that God gives us, he knows something. I'm going to live a new life. I'm going to live a conquering life. I'm going to go from victory to victory to victory, and nothing can stop me. The devil can't stop me. Only I can stop me by not choosing to have that kind of spirit by God's power. God's given us this, the spirit of power to believe. And along with that, the spirit of love. Love, again, is that motivating factor that makes you bold for Christ. You'll share Christ, it won't matter. You are not ashamed of Christ because you love Jesus and Jesus loves you. Because of love, you will do things that other people would be ashamed to do or too afraid to do. But not with love. And a sound mind. A sound mind. A mind that's under right influences. To have a sound mind, you can't be under the wrong influences. A sound mind, you're under the right influences, doing right thinking, right listening, right reading. And it changes your perception that you begin to see things the way they really are. The way Christ would see them. It's a mind that's being cultivated every day. To have the mind of Christ. So let me close with these two thoughts here. There's two big decisions we have to make. The first thing is we have to choose to be spiritually alive, born again. How often? Every day. You wake up in the morning and you'll just get on with your day and say, man, I've got a thousand things to do. I'm too busy to be saved. I'm too busy to be revived. I'm too busy to spend time with God. Now the devil's going to try to get you on that little path. Every day. But you just got to be still and know that He is God. And you put your day in His hands. And you begin your first day contemplating the loveliness of Christ with a conquering attitude and wanting to be filled with the love of Jesus and say, Father, I want to have a sounder mind today. I want to have better perceptions, true perceptions, because of today, no matter what happens. But that means i got to choose to be revived today. I want to have that spiritual mind. And lastly, number two, we've got to choose to be reformed. And realize, you know, Father, no, no matter how far you've brought me in this Christian path, how much more ground is there to gain? All kinds of it. Beyond what the eye can see. Can we all become more like Jesus? Yes. The willingness to be changed by God's grace. The willingness to be educated by Christ. 
means that if I really believe that, I'm going to do what? What would be a prerequisite that I'm willing to see my life reformed to become more like Jesus? What would that look like? What if I woke up in the morning, I didn't pray, didn't study? Is that the right attitude? That would be an expression that I've given up, in a sense, on that day. To have a reformer's attitude, the willingness to be changed, which this world desperately needs because it's getting what? It's getting worse. And God needs the people who are getting better. If we're to even match the apostasy in the world, as far and as fast as they're getting worse, we need to be getting better. Or we're just losing ground. That means, if I really want this, every day I will commune with God. Every day I will study. Because those things are simply an expression of what I want. Because you remember the principle? Whatever you spend time with, what? Grows. And what we need more than anything is Christ growing in us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, you are most wonderful not to leave us as we are. We're not an abandoned planet, but a planet that you sent your own son. And Father, with him, we have not only the forgiveness of sins, we have the means of having new thoughts which leads to new actions, which leads to the formation of right habits, which forms a Christ-like character. So, Father, help us to develop and experience that genetic expression in our brain that makes us more like having the mind of Christ. So, Father, continue to grace us. Help each one of us, each one of us to have a time and a place to commune with you each day. And just be still and to know that you're in control. That you're the problem solver and you're the source of our strength. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.